Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. And today, I'm featuring the one man that I'm going to have on this season. His name is Brian Davidson, and I'm telling you, he's here to tell you about how to build hope, grit, and resiliency. And he doesn't just do this for individuals. He does this for organizations, organizations as big as the San Antonio Spurs, Workday, Johnson & Johnson, the United States Military Academy, West Point. So let me tell you what he does with MindView. He is the chief architect of the MindView profile assessment and MindView learning experience. Brian applies his work in measuring and developing mindsets to support educational institutes, healthcare organizations, sports teams, businesses, and like I mentioned, that amazing military academy. Um, Brian, I'm so happy to have you here today. Olivia, it's great to be able to represent my my fellow guys out there on the podcast here. Thanks so much. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I um I love this concept. I've showed so many people your website. It's I will say, guys, check his links below. This website is super impressive. Um, it's very clear cut as to what he does and and user-friendly. And I love that. Um tell me what made you start MindView? Uh, good question. So, Libby, I'm really an educator when you boil it down. So I started off my career as a high school teacher up in the Twin Cities. And before that, I had a degree in psychology. So, I, you know, I've always been fascinated on what makes people tick and what makes people succeed, especially. And so back when I was a teacher, I was looking at those great students of mine. and I was like, OK, what's making them do so well? And I thought it came down to two important factors, the first of which is uh, self-motivation or intrinsic motivation. And the second was self-discipline. I felt like they had this great discipline and that they were really motivated. So I was like, okay, how does that stuff develop in people? Like, where, where does that come from? I started to ask those questions. And so I came down to the University of Kansas uh, for a doc program in the field of counseling psychology. And uh, I was pulled, pulled down because KU was this hotbed here in the Midwest of this growing area of psychology called positive psych. So positive psych is all about trying to study and figure out what's right with people as opposed to what's wrong with people. So instead of fixating on the depression, anxiety, you know, all the disorders, let's focus on grit and resilience and hope and, and motivation and figure out those qualities. And so I started to learn about all these factors in that program. And as I was going through that work, I was doing a rotation at a university counseling center, doing therapy with students. And I felt like Olivia, the process was so reactive. So before this, I was an educator, I was a teacher. And I thought, my goodness, could we teach these skills that I was learning about? Could we teach these factors in order to prevent a lot of the issues that I was facing there in the counseling center? And so that's when the light bulb went on for me and said, aha, like this is what I want to do with my life and careers, develop some sort of organization that unites psychologists and educators and researchers together to figure out first, how do we measure these skills really well? And then secondly, how do we build these skills to help people succeed and thrive throughout their lives? And so that was the the genesis of, of what I'm doing today. So what does make somebody more motivated, more, you know, what, what are those things that make them more disciplined? What, what are those things? Well, so a big thing that we learned over these past several years is when I initially started this work, again, this is back about 2012, 2013, 14, you would see all this research that shows, hey, grit is predicting this, this performance outcome, right? It's predicting workplace performance. It's predicting sales performance. It's predicting leadership success. And so we initially thought, aha, it's like people just have grit. They have 
grit and resilience, and they're just internally motivated as a person. It's like a trait of a person. But as we started to do more testing with different groups and organizations, we did co occasionally come across these individuals who were incredibly high performing, Olivia. I mean, people that were at the top of their game. I'm not talking about generals in the military or university presidents or CEOs of organizations, professional athletes, you name it. Okay, people that are doing really well in life. And occasionally we'd come across these people who, again, were killing it in many regards, but they would score low on our tool. So their scores of grit or resilience or, or hope or intrinsic motivation would be low. And at first we're like dumbfounded by this. We, we'd look at them and be like, they're the epitome of so many of these elements, but yet they would score low on our tool. And we, in many cases, could have conversations with these people. In Olivia, those conversations were so incredibly enlightening. We'd see these incredibly accomplished people who would tell us that they were just very miserable inside that they have very little sense of passion for what they're doing. They're burned out in their work. They you know, are counting down the days until they retire, going through a divorce or something was going on in their life where, yes, you know, on the outward side, they've accomplished all these great things. But internally, guess what? They weren't feeling motivated. They weren't feeling perseverant and gritty. They weren't feeling resilient. So a big thing of what we've learned, what we're capturing with our tool is it's not so much about do you just have it or not? Do you have the traits? But instead, what we are capturing is, are you feeling it? Are you feeling motivated? Are you feeling gritty? Are you feeling resilient right now? So it's much more of a snapshot of time and a glimpse of an awareness into your own mindset, as opposed to like a depiction of who you are as a person or even how other people might describe you. It's been incredibly fascinating to discover that something that I didn't anticipate because we thought in those early stages, boy, if you could just identify the person who has it who has the motivation, who has the grit, who has the resilience, and then build a team of those people, well, bam, that's going to be your high-performing team. Well, we found out it's a lot more complex than that, and that there's so many different factors that can shape and influence these particular mindset skills. Everything, Olivia, everything going on in a person's life can shape and influence these factors. The, the COVID-19 pandemic that we've all yeah. gone through, right? Personal circumstances, your, your life. I know before we, we started to record, you're telling me about, you know, having, having a child yourself, a big, massive change in your life, like having a, a new child definitely can shape and influence many of these factors, changing roles, changing positions, changing jobs and careers, all that can make an impact in all these skills. So something that, that we've also learned is that these factors don't exist in, in a vacuum in our own mind, okay? There's this beautiful dance that exists between our mindset and all of our thoughts that are going on between our ears and then everything else that's happening out there in our external environment. And so it's just constant back and forth. And so we've really learned over these past several years just how many factors can shape and influence our mindset but our mindset can then also then go on and impact our external environment. So it's this, this beautiful dance that's going on back and forth, back and forth. I believe that everybody goes through seasons. We don't just have life as it is. You know, we go through these different seasons and um, some seasons, what got us to where we're going. So may, I, I'm going to just go with a sports athlete. Let's say that sports athlete, and this is just my theory. You're that you're you're the professional that does all the research on this stuff, but this is just a theory. So, but I think a lot of people, what motivates them is running away from a situation rather than running to. And 
with those people that are not everybody, but some people that are running away from something, running away from fear, running away from poverty, running away from abuse, running away from scarcity. When they finally have the things that they think they wanted, they might find out that that's not what they wanted. Is that something similar to what you found with the miserable people that were high achievers? Uh, when yes, so I'll give you another example. As some trend that we've seen over the years is we'll see um, early stage entrepreneurs, okay, who are creating a company, we'll see those scores to be really high, and that they're feeling incredibly motivated and perseverant and resilient. But then we've also assessed uh, late stage entrepreneurs or, or entrepreneurs who have recently sold their companies. So they've made in many cases millions and millions of dollars, okay, selling these companies. And then once that happens, there's a shift in their identity of, okay, now, now who am I from here? In many cases, a lot of these entrepreneurs will say, okay, well, I've devoted all this time and energy to my business. Now I want to come back and, and work and try to be a better spouse or a better, you know, father, mother, or whatever particular role. In many cases, they're, they're not received well into those, those roles because of the past years that they've done. And so that sense of identity can shift. And so we'll often see scores for later stage people, the people who have accomplished it and done remarkable work, you know, that there's this feeling of emptiness that they have inside. I remember uh, years back talking with an entrepreneur, he sold a company for, I believe, $1.3 or $1.4 billion altogether. And he, he told me, he said, you know, Brian, everyone thinks that now I've made multiple, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars that now I'm happy. And he said, what really made me happy was the process, was going through all this. It was the journey. And he said, you know, I look back on it all and, and it's when I was just starting all this. That's when I was really thriving and happy. And so that's something that I think we have to learn about motivation is it's much more about the pursuit of what we are doing. You know, I, I used to be a high school a social studies teacher, Olivia, and I would teach my, my students back in my civics class about the inalienable rights and the Declaration of Independence, which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and I tell the students, I say, what, what it doesn't say, however, is life, liberty, and happiness. Okay. But instead, it's the pursuit of happiness. It's the pursuit of those things that really makes us happy. It's the pursuit that really drives us and gives us fulfillment. It's not so much once we attain that particular goal that we're all sudden now happy, but it's that process. If we can be pursuing something that we find really meaningful to us, if we can pursue something that gives us a greater sense of purpose, that we feel like we are belonging to something that's bigger than ourselves, that's when people tend to be more fulfilled in their life. And so I think that's an important piece just for your listeners out here to, to recognize, you know, never lose sight of that pursuit. Okay. And no doubt about it. It's tough. Life is tough and there's ups and downs in the journey, but you know, when we're all said and done with it all, we're going to look back and say, you know, I, I really was pursuing something of meaning and of great passion to me in my life that gave me that sense of purpose. And when you can do that, boy, it's a pretty rewarding feeling. Who would you say are the most happy, successful people? Mm-hmm. I think people that are are pursuing something beyond just the the almighty dollar mm-hmm. that uh, really are are making some sort of wider impact out there in life and society. Uh, I think serving other people; those are the people that I find in in all my work who really have that deep fulfillment. 
that are, are making some tremendous impact out there in the world. I know uh, one of the great organizations that I've worked with over the years is a, a group over in New Delhi, India, um, called Freedom Employability Academy. This is an amazing organization that is uh, working to equip students over in New Delhi, so in all these impoverished areas, uh, with uh, first developing better English speaking skills, but then secondly, to develop these particular mindset skills. So that way they, they can help bootstrap themselves out of poverty. And the uh, creator of this, his name is Deepak Chopra, amazing individual who was an, uh, an entrepreneur has done incredibly well. There's also another Deepak Chopra that's a very well-known mindfulness. Uh, yeah, he is. This was like you. <laughs> Deepak Chopra, both are okay. amazing in, in their own right. But uh, Deepak is just doing amazing work and he's been very successful as an entrepreneur. Um, but now he's working to serve even a bigger purpose in his life, and that is trying to eradicate poverty where he grew up. So he developed his company here in the United States, and now is trying to to go back home and and really work to uh, eradicate poverty. So he provides a free education to uh, about thirty five thousand students every single year across New Delhi and down in Agra, like where the Taj Mahal is at, and some other areas, and then working to expand across India. Just an amazing organization, and Deepak is a great example of somebody that I see is, is serving such a greater purpose, you know, with the life that he's leading, somebody that I look up to in so many different ways as, uh, again, somebody making such a great, great impact out there. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's important. I think purpose is extremely important knowing and, and some ha having something that's bigger than you. It's a commonality that I've seen from just speaking to so many different successful people. It's, yeah, sure. Some people can say like, oh yeah, I'm happy. But I mean, happiness is, is fleeting. It's also like, it's so temporary and it's a choice. What would you say really helps people perform at a higher level when they're against all odds? Well, I think that this is like where that resilience piece comes in. Okay. And so in our work with resilience, we've, we really focus on four key elements, the first of which is adaptability. So this is having that mental flexibility. Uh, Olivia, the world tends not to stay the same, right? <laughs> it's, we constantly have to be willing to adapt and adjust. A second part of this, along with adaptability, is having a sense of hope. Okay. Uh, hope is not about wishful thinking. Uh, but it's much more about when we are pursuing our goals and have that belief that we can accomplish our goals. But then we combine that with something that we call pathways thinking. And this is when we hit a roadblock and obstacle. As we're pursuing those goals, do we feel like we can find pathways around that roadblock and obstacle? So think about this as like a leader that says, yeah, we're, we're hitting some tough times right now, but we can find a way. Okay, we will find a way to get around that. And that's what great leaders do. In fact, in my dissertation at the University of Kansas, we found that the very best predictor of leaders that were demonstrating transformation leadership skills was that leader's level of hope. In fact, that leader's mindset, having that hopeful mind, that hopeful attitude was a great predictor of whether or not they're demonstrating successful leadership skills. So we've got adaptability we've got hope is very important for resilience. Another component is a factor called internal locus of control. And so this is all about this belief that I can influence the outcomes of my future. So thinking that my hard work, my decisions, my effort, having that mindset in place, that those factors actually make a difference in my life, as opposed to just thinking that I have to get lucky, I, you know, things just have to go my way, luck, fate, happenstance, whatever it could be, that those are the drivers of, of what happens in our life. And that's what we call more of an external locus of control. 
with that person who thinks that they really can't do much to change what's going to happen in their future. But instead, we want to have that higher internal locus of control. So then the question is, you know, how do we develop that? And I like to pull a lot from the work of Viktor Frankl, who uh, wrote a great book called Man's Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl was the originator of the form of therapy called logotherapy. And he was a Holocaust survivor. He was in Auschwitz, he and his family, and had many family members that, that were killed in Auschwitz. And he would tell people um, in his experience that he'd watch what these Nazis were, were doing to all of the prisoners there in Auschwitz. And they would look around and say, well, there's nothing that we can do about our circumstances. There's nothing that we can do to control what's happening to us. And he said, those are the people, Olivia, who eventually gave up hope and they ultimately died. And he said the one thing that kept him going, kept him alive, was the fact that he told himself, yes, I can't control what these Nazis are doing to us, but I can control one and only one thing. And that is how I think about and respond to the circumstances that I'm in, that I'm in control of how I respond. And so that's the one and only one thing that we absolutely have control over, and that is our response to whatever circumstances or environments that we find ourselves in. And so that can tend to be more of an empowering feeling for us. You know, when when things feel like they're out of control or they things feel astray, we have to kind of pause ourselves and, and stop and say, okay, yeah, I can't control everything out there, but I can control my response right now. And that's an important piece to remember. So we've got, again, adaptability. We've got hope. We've got that internal locus of control. And then the fourth piece is about hardiness. Okay, this is about an aspect that's looking at whether or not we feel like we can weather through the adversity that we are experiencing. And something that we know about hardiness, Olivia, is that people tend to be hardy and resilient when we have people in our lives around us. People are not resilient when they isolate and withdraw. So often when we face hardship in our lives, our natural response is to pull away from people, okay, to pull back. Instead, what we need to do is we need to lean in, okay? We need to have those people in our lives. We need a support team. Every single one of us, okay, needs a support group of people around us that can help us navigate through those hard times and help us weather through that adversity. And so it's so important that, that we lean in, okay, as opposed to pull back from those around us when we face that hardship. So those four together, okay, can really help to instill that greater sense of resilience when we face that hardship. What you just said reminded me of a previous podcast guest that I've had on Tobias. Her name is um, Anastasia Vladichinsky. She is from, um, why am I, Ukraine. She's from Ukraine. And she has a business that's based on that customer service. And she's worked with companies all over the world. And we talked about, the first time we talked about the importance of networking because and how people network. Because she, while she was going through the war in Ukraine, she was able to help 150 women that fled Ukraine find jobs, find places to live in different countries, find, you know, um, get get money, all of, you know, have that extra support. And then I had her on again because she was, she was the first time I had her on, it was this time last year. So in the beginning of the war and um she was her spirit was so high because she was active and she was doing things and she was helping people and i warned her because i was like i i evacuated from a hurricane in 2018 hurricane michael and we lost like 80 percent of our of our belongings and all this stuff but i did a fundraiser for the people back in panama city like two months later and it was just was very draining 
Um, and it was something that I learned. I was like, you don't ever, don't, <laughs> you need to help yourself <laughs> before you go and try to save the world in a, in something that, you know, you were affected by yourself. Because I said, you know, you got, you have to make time for you. Well, when I had her on again, she's, you know, she was telling me about, you know, the depression that she was in. And what you reminded me of was what she said was, you cannot be resilient on your own. Resiliency requires that community piece because that isolation will really drag you out. So I, I love that you also talked about that. Yeah, we, we, you can't do it alone, no matter who you are, okay? No matter how much resilience you have, listen, it takes people. You need people in your lives. Yeah, and I feel, I know COVID really isolated so many individuals. And, and it makes it harder when you've got, if you're isolated and you've just got this negative soundboard in your head and you don't have anybody else to counteract that yep. soundboard. Well, so, so often, you know, when we withdraw like that, and we're not conversing with others, we start to ruminate in our mind, right? And we have the same thoughts start to go through. And then from there, we start to ruminate. And then it turns into catastrophizing where we think, oh, the, the worst thing's going to be happening. And we just think that everything's going to fall to shambles. And, and that's just a pretty negative thought cycle to be falling into. But it doesn't have to be like that, right? And so often, if we can talk to people around us, that can help stabilize some of those thoughts or really prevent some of those thoughts. And just knowing that you've got somebody okay, to help you navigate through the, the tough times, that you're not alone. I think that in itself is also very important. So I'm guessing your assessment is very, very detailed because the fact that you you get a snapshot of where people are, but it seems like you spend a little more time than just you know, checking boxes. Can you give me a little bit more detail about your assessment? Yeah, so the tool is about 120 items altogether and takes about 15 minutes for people to complete. And it's going to provide, we, we assess 13 different particular mindset factors and you're going to get a, a score on each one of those. So it's a normed reference assessment, which means that it basically takes your responses on all the items and then compares them up to everybody else in our global data set. And we've assessed thousands and thousands of people from about over 24 different countries or so to date. And this is going to give you some insight and awareness into how gritty am I feeling right now or how internally motivated am I feeling right now relative to a lot of other people out there? What's my level of hope right now relative to others? Now, with the tool, most people get back the results and are like, oh, my goodness, you know, I scored a lot lower than what I anticipated. You know, and this is something that we found over time, Olivia, is pretty much everybody okay, has some some lower scores. And we try to reassure people, OK, even if we have low scores, that's OK. OK, it's perfectly all right to have some lower results. But what we don't want is to stay that way. OK, we want to use this to get insight and awareness of where we are right now. So that way we can work to improve, work to, to build things up and what we're finding in all the science and research that we are conducting is that yes you can develop these factors they are not those hard hardline traits of of who we are but instead that there are more skills that we can grow and develop and improve in our lives and so the assessment again um it, it's giving you that that glimpse into how my thinking and feeling relative to others and then we also have the ability to reassess people over time as well so then we can see how has a person shifted from the first time that we assess them to the second time typically over like six to 12 months even though we use the term snapshot 
it doesn't mean that you know these things shift from day to day so a person doesn't wake up one morning of their life and feel this great sense of purpose and the next day it's gone and the next day it's back you know very rarely does that happen but these factors tend to kind of more evolve and transform over the course of weeks to months of, of time and so we generally recommend kind of a reassessment after about six to 12 months of time to see how how things shifted. And for the most part, right, we see if people engage in some actual intervention through coaching or training, uh, mindset development work, that we do see an improvement in these skills. But there's other factors beyond all that that also influences these skills. Everything that's going on in that person's life can shape and influence. And sometimes, you know, they change a job position or you know, a divorce happens or something like that. It hurricane in your case, right? All that can shape and influence a person's score. So sometimes we see that those scores drop, but again, it gives us some awareness into where is this person at right now? So then we can be proactive or to then support and mentor and coach people to get them up to a better spot. I'm really big on asking the right questions, asking yourself the right questions. What are some questions that you ask or, or that individuals should ask themselves if they're scoring low or they haven't really seen much of a change in when they're reassessed six to 12 months later? Uh, well, that's a real <laughs> tough question, deep, deep question, because there's so many different questions you could ask, depending on, you know, which particular mindset factors you might be scoring lower in. But I'd say just as a great starting point, a lot of what we'll do with clients is to first start with their value system, to ask yourself what is most value to me. We've had a great module in our platform where we have people do this uh, values activity where they have to narrow down a whole bunch of different values into figuring out what are my key core values that are, are most important and dear and near to me in my in my life. And so once you can figure out you know, what are those core values that you hold, that serves as your guiding compass to do everything moving forward. That's, that's going to guide you in doing the goal setting, right? That's going to guide you in really developing the sense of identity of, of who I am as a person. And then to help you understand, you know, what do I really want to pursue that I feel like I can stick with for that longer period of time, that aspect of, of grit. And then from there, if those values are in place, that also helps out with a sense of hope and resilience and adaptability if we have a clear sense of of who I am as a person and what are the values that are really important to me. Do you find that individuals living out of alignment with their value system tend to score lower? Well, Libby, these things tend to tend to shift and mold. So somebody's you know, values could very easily transform over the course mm -hmm. of their life. What, what you valued 10 years ago very well oh, today, yeah. especially yeah. having a child now, you better believe that, that changes, you know, how you perceive life and, and the world in, in general. And so, you know, those those values can shift and change. So that's important too to to kind of constantly reevaluate, you know, what yeah. is important to me in my life. Yeah, I, we're never going to be the same. It's actually more of a challenge to stay the same mm -hmm. than it is to adapt. And I, with resiliency, going back to what you were talking about with resiliency, resiliency, the ability to adapt to change. And I think the world is continuously changing. And yes, it's important to focus on that internal locus of control. I I do that a lot. I'm telling just from from a personal standard, like I 
focus on what I can do, right? And I really try not to deal with the general public. Like I do deal with the general public. I do because I'm, but I'm telling you, like the general public has gotten a little crazy. Like just, <laughs> just being honest with you. Like I, I mean, within the first five minutes of the shift that I worked yesterday, I had to kick a guest out. I'm like, it's a slow night. We're not even going to do like that much money. And I'm already having to, you know, deal with these things. Um, so let's say for the high stress individual like myself, um, what are some ways to look at things differently? That's a good good question. You know, when we're facing stress, I think using some mindfulness activities can can really help us out. I don't know if that's really changing how you you look at things. I, I think, but it can just help us to not elevate that stress. And so, one of the strategies we really advocate for is, is using kind of a, a box breathing method. You know, breathe, just doing a simple four four seconds mm-hmm. breathing in, right? And have it nice, slow, controlled through the nose. You can hold it for four seconds and then exhale slowly for four seconds and just do four of those, you know, to four inhales, four uh, deep exhales, and to uh, just kind of provide some, some opportunity to just recompose, right. To, to get yourself pulled back together when you are facing that, you know, customer or client that's giving you a bunch bunch of grief just to kind of keep your own composure in place. Oh yeah. See that, you know, it's funny that didn't even, that was an example that didn't even really bother me that much. Let me, let me give you something that actually like triggered me. Um, so an employee reported a sexual harassment and the other employee, uh, denied that that happened. Well, there was a statement made, you know, that you only high fives in handshakes. Um, well, then there was some type of, you know, retaliation, to some whoever they thought reported this not the per not the person that was accused other employees started to and I, I i recently heard about this and so that was a little like ick under my skin because it's like i'm supposed to create a safe environment you know and that's not it and I do box breathing. I do cold showers. I do like uh, plenty of walks with God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I I will go and I'll shift and I'll do a lot of things. Um, but I am I'm very much human. Um, and this person's gonna one of the people is gonna be off for a while, and I can't I, I can't prove it was just he said, she said. But what would you suggest I do in that situation? Well, I, I think so. So often we think that stress is just bad and horrible right and i think we need to shift our our mindset towards stress that you know yes we are going to face stress it's not fun when we face stress mm-hmm. but it's okay if we face some stressful times are you familiar with like the yorky dotson model of stress and performance no all? so th- this is like a curve okay that we find with regards to so you got um your level of stress on like the um x-axis of the, of the graph and then your performance on the y-axis and what we find is if somebody is not experiencing 
any stress at all, that their performance tends to decrease over time. But then if we experience some stress, but it's not crazy amounts of stress, that's when we start to experience the most optimal levels of performance. So actually some stress is actually beneficial for us with regards to our overall performance, but then it starts to peak, right? It reaches the peak and then it can come down. And if it comes down where we are experiencing way too much stress, our performance really decreases from there. So there's like this, this zone, this zone of, of optimal performance where we are experiencing some degree of stress and that's actually very beneficial for us. And so I think keeping that in mind is, you know, where, where am I at right now in along my own kind of curve with regards to my stress and performance? How much is okay, you know, or am I kind of going over the top of that curve and reaching to this point of, hey, I'm totally wiping out, I'm I'm burnt out, you know, I can't take this much longer. In those cases, then we need to reevaluate. But some stress, okay, is actually quite beneficial. Thank you. Because this year I'm focusing on increasing my capacity level for stress. So now I <laughs> no, I feel like I'm 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 finding a benchmark for, and I know this will change over time, you know, because more things happen. You choose to like let more things go. And I'm pretty much like one of those people that like, I don't stress about too much. It's just the things that I do have to deal with can tend to be a little more stressful than I think the average person, very small things that just pile on top of each other. Um, But now I'm going to look more into that you know, what is my optimal level of stress in having that? I, I was talking to another manager last night and we were talking about, he was saying, I think I'm crazy. He's like, if I don't have stress in my life, I'm just miserable. Mm-hmm. I'm so bored. There's like nothing going on. And I was like, no, that's not my problem. <laughs> but but the fact that you brought that up, um, you know, of having an optimal performance level for your stress, I think that's extremely important to to take into consideration. We have to look at all these different factors as, as working together, Olivia, that we have to look at our motivation as like one piece of, of our mindset puzzle. Another part is our discipline and perseverance and what it is that we're doing. And the third there is our aspect of, of resilience, kind of one of those four components that I hit on before. But there's a fourth piece that we never want to forget as well. And in our model, that's a sense of integrity, okay, that that we always want to feel like that that we're operating with a strong moral compass, that we are being honest and trustworthy in what it is that we're doing, and then also working to do good in people's lives and avoiding doing any harm, because we we definitely value and prize, you know, high levels of motivation, and it's great to have grit and wonderful to be resilient, but if we don't have that integrity to go along with that, well, that starts to unravel in our, our lives in many cases, and that that you know somebody can be incredibly motivated and perseverant and resilient but if they don't have the integrity to go along with it their life starts to unravel starts to fall apart and so we also want to work to reinforce you know doing things the the right way and if you know all of my actions were made public how would people respond you know if if the world became known of you know the decisions that i'm engaging in and so that can pause and help us understand if maybe what's a better route to go with some of the decisions that we're making that reminds me sometimes I'm like, okay, let's pretend like I'm, I'm having somebody video me all day long, you know? And then you, you start to think about the things that you're doing a little more. And, um, but this was, this was great. I'm so grateful for you, Brian, 
for sharing all of this. You you have really um, made me look at my stress differently now, because not only is it something that I want to expand my level for, and I mean, the people listening, I know they've gotten so many um, benefits from you sharing this as well. Who can I connect you with? Oh, uh, good, good question. Anybody that has passion about developing the people around them. Um, I think that's the important piece to this is we're our, our mission, Olivia, is trying to build hope and, and resilience and, and grit and motivation in truly millions of people across the world. This is what uh, we, we want to accomplish. And, and so any individuals or groups that are, are passionate about helping elevate performance that are working to practically enhance mental wellness, those are our, our go-to people. Those are the people that, that are really interested in helping people become the best versions of themselves. Those are our people. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.